chance. Yanmark down the middle, scores! Matias Yanmark, shorthanded goal. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Puck comes out high. Watt gets the puck off to the races. Into the zone. The righty. Right circle. Backhander. He scores! What a move! Nicholas Watt gets the Knights back in the lead. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team. Exclusive player interviews and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215. Home of the... Woo! I understand the woo, Chapman. I really do. It was a, a bit of a lackluster woo. And, you know, when you look at the game last night for the Vegas Golden Knights, dropping... That one in regulation to the New Jersey Devils with just five games now remaining in the regular season certainly did not help the Golden Knights standing in terms of trying to make a playoff spot. We're going to have full reaction from last night's game, including our game ratings later on in hour number two. We're going to get to one-timers, some milestones happening around the NHL. That also in hour number two, the Sam and Ash Legal Minutes coming up at 445 and this one's going to be an interesting one because it, it's a topic that we've dealt with before however this one is slanted heavily to the NHL and I'm very curious to see where we get to with Sam and Ash that's coming up at 445 uh, we've also got the play of the day courtesy of the Calgary Flames and we'll we'll get to kind of a bigger thought piece on the Calgary Flames and one specifically Johnny Gaudreau because I have a question for Chris Chapman that I think the case is growing by the day for where Johnny Gaudreau's season should be at, regarded in terms of of one of the all-time seasons for any player at any point in time so we'll get into that in hour number one as well, we are efforting to get Ashley Vice, Vegas Golden Knights broadcaster, on with us right now. And we do have Ashley. Uh, so, Ashley Vice, um, first and foremost, how how are you today after, you know, obviously a game that, that got away from the Golden Knights, one where, um, you know, you go into the third period tied one-to-one. We've seen that familiar refrain before this season, and yet, as we've seen before, the Golden Knights just unable to get that next goal. Yeah, it was a bummer for sure. I hope that everyone was able to, you know, have a good night's rest, wake up uh, on a better side <laughs> of the bed than one that they went to sleep on last night. But it was disappointing. There's no two ways about it. Uh, I don't think that the playoff race is over by any means. I think that we're going to learn a lot by the time this night ends about just how difficult it will or won't be to claw back mm-hmm. into a playoff spot. I think the most important or the most disappointing part of it was just that that was definitely a winnable game. And you have some tough opponents coming up from Washington, Dallas, St. Louis. Uh, three of those five matchups are going to be tough. You can hope that maybe with the position that St. Louis is in, maybe they'll be resting some guys come that time next week. But you know, it, it was disappointing. I think that you could sense it in the post-game media availability. You could sense it a little bit even in today's media availability. But, you know, it doesn't really matter which games they win and which games they lose. I think a lot of people thought 5-1 and one in the last six might 
might be what it takes to get it done. And I think you hoped that the one lost and it comes to New Jersey because it just makes the rest of it a little bit difficult. But I do still think that that record uh, that we hoped for for the last six games is still in play. So we'll just have to see where they go from here. I, I thought your question to Pete last night was, was really good and about the message kind of changing in, in terms right. of now we have to win out. Have you kind of seen that urgency from the players? I mean, they, they, they really haven't followed up the great game in Calgary with with two stellar efforts. I mean, there were moments of, of good things, but Pete kind of has that urgency, and he kind of stressed that last night. But I, I don't know if we see that with the players. Do you think that maybe the reality of the situation is kind of not set in yet? I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think it's kind of hard for us to tell what hasn't hasn't set in with the players. But, you know, my question to Pete last night was, you know, it's, you can tell, you, you know that, there are multiple ways to get in the playoffs, right? The last few weeks, that's what it's looked like. Like, oh, well, if they win this many and Dallas wins this many, or oh, whatever. And uh, their whole mindset was that we can only control what we can control. We can't worry about what other people are doing. And that very quickly went last night to we have to win out. And that's, you know, it's hard to say where the players are at mentally. I think it's hard. Um, I can't imagine being in their position uh, in a time like this in, you know, a city and, media that's not used to not making the playoffs either. They're used to covering teams that's, you know, gone to the conference final three out of four years. So it's kind of hard to get a read on them from that perspective. But I do think we've seen multiple times this season at times where we thought, even when they dropped those first four games of the season, that's when we all are, we all thought, you know, how, how long can this go on before this is going to be a hole that they can't dig themselves out of? It seems like they always have dug themselves out just at the right time, just when you think you're going to completely count them out. Um, so it's hard to say. I, I would expect the urgency to be there given just the veteran group that is in the locker room. You have multiple guys who have won Stanley Cups. Uh, I know a lot of people were curious about the St. Louis situation that Alex Petrangelo was in just a few years ago when they went from last place to winning the Cup now. I will say that was very different uh, this late in the regular season. They knew that they were going to be in the playoffs at that point. Uh, So this is different for sure. But, you know, I think that just because we might not see the urgency doesn't mean that it wasn't there. And I think that Max Pacioretty had a good point today when he said it's really easy to cherry pick games and say, oh, this is a problem now. And there's no two ways about it. The offensive production hasn't been consistent. Uh, But before the game in Edmonton and before the game last night, the stretch before that, they were scoring between four to six goals a game almost every game the entire month of April. So, you know, it's not great that it's been as inconsistent as it has been, but I thought Max made a good point that maybe it's not time to hit the panic button just because the puck wasn't going in the back of the net last night from that perspective. Uh, there could be a little bit more to it than that. But, no, I mean, I, I, I certainly do. That was a long answer for you, but I do think that the urgency is there. I just think it's hard really to sense it unless you're in the room or you're on the bench. So, it, kind of to that point, it you know when you have a game like last night for the Golden Knights, where you've got somewhere in the ballpark of eighty-five to ninety shot attempts, I, I think urgency isn't necessarily something that I'm too too particularly worried about. Like I thought, the Golden Knights certainly um, carried enough of the offensive momentum within that game for long stretches of time that they should have been able to find more than just two goals. One of which was kind of a fluky bounce off of PK Subban skate. So the question becomes when you when you kind of parse through all the attempts from the Golden Knights, 
23 shots, just simply missed the net. At this time of the year, and Jonathan Marchessault spoke to it last night after the game, it's about bearing down. It's about forcing goaltenders to make saves. And, you know, Max Pacioretty today talked about it in, in that you can't just throw it into a goaltender's chest protector or into his pads. Mm-hmm. You've got to make him move and, and work laterally. How much of, of kind of the, the inconsistent production is – maybe a team that is looking for that extra pass or is looking for that extra play to beat a goaltender. And then, you know, you, you have to factor in the defenses are going to be able to kind of collapse around their goalie and come up with either a block or force a shot wide. Yeah. I mean, I can see that for sure. I think you look for that extra pass when you're not feeling quite as confident. Right. And I think, you know, some of that I think starts with not getting the first goal of the game. And that's something that especially going in the playoffs, you have to get past, right. Cause like Pete DeBoer told us from the beginning of the season, you're going to have to win games one nothing, 2-1. You have to be comfortable in tight situations. You have to be comfortable being down one. And on this last road trip, we saw them come back after being down one a couple of times. But I think last night in particular, you know, you're having your looks. It's not going in. I mean, we saw a major momentum swing, A, after a really good power play in the first period. They didn't score on it, mm-hmm. but it yeah. generated a lot. And then it looks like a completely different team right after Keegan Colasar scored as well. So, those are the things that tell you that, you know, it is a matter of confidence. And, you know, Pete DeBoer made the comment last night that he said he feels it's troubling that this team seems to dry up at the worst possible times. Uh, Max Pacioretty said today he didn't necessarily agree with that comment. And I think you have to be careful, you know, what you say, right, what you take out of press conferences right after games like that, because it's an emotional thing, right? I mean, imagine your worst day at work and people are asking you about it. You might not. You might over-exaggerate or say things, you know, that you don't particularly mean or that there might be more to than just the answer itself. But um, having said that, yeah, I think confidence plays into it. I think this is a team that has been through a lot all season long. Mm-hmm. I think whether, it's your, whether yeah. you're talking about the offense not being there, whether you're talking about a different guy being injured every night, whether you're talking about, you know, some inconsistent goaltending or goaltenders going through injuries as well, whatever that might be. I do think that it shakes your confidence. And I think last night in particular, it's a game that everyone is telling you you have to win. This is the one you have to win or you're going to be out of it. You know, they, I think some players listen to those things more than others, but I also think that they know the situation they were in. They knew how important that game was. And I think you go down one nothing early and then, you know, you hit a few posts. The goalie is playing really well. I definitely think uh, it hurts the confidence, but the good news is, that game's over. So they have, you know, two days from that point forward to get that confidence back and, you know, try to execute a game plan that works. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's kind of funny because you, you came from, from a team that won the Stanley Cup just a couple of years ago, but traditionally had, had always kind of underachieved, right? The Blues have, have had good teams, but maybe always came up a bit short. And you mentioned that this is a, a, a market where, the team and the media and the fans are not used to this team being in this type of situation. I guess how, how, how do we temper or, or how do, how does the team kind of temper expectations that, Hey, this is a really, really difficult thing to do to, to make the conference final three out of four years to win a Stanley cup. It's it certainly, I, I think it's the hardest thing in, in professional sports to win the Stanley cup, but I guess are, are, are we a bit spoiled in just how good this team has been right out of the gate? Well, I think so for sure. And I think anyone who's covered hockey 
for the last however many years would say, you know, Vegas was a Cinderella story, uh, not just the first season, but even the way they followed things up after that. Now, that's not to say, though, that they weren't completely capable of doing it this year, especially with the roster that they put together. And it's tough because you bring up injuries and it sounds like an excuse, but I am a firm believer that there's a big difference between excuses and reasons and it's been a grind mentally for these guys. You talk about the physical toll for one, but mentally as well. You never know, you know who is or isn't going to be in the lineup. And you also even look right now, there's all this talk about, oh, they're finally healthy, right? And it's because it feels like they are. You have Max Pacioretty back. You have Mark Stone back. Um, they're getting their feet wet. But Riley Smith, if you, you talk about you know fans from the beginning. You lose a guy like Riley Smith, that's a huge part of the identity of this team. Uh, a Will Carrier is a huge physical presence on the team. He's not there. So you got Keegan Colasar and Brady McNabb kind of carrying the majority of that weight for, for that role on their own. Uh, Brett Howden has been major to this team's depth, and him not being there, I think we're seeing that a lot more than we realize because when you look at the different you know win streaks that this team has put together, one that stands out the most is that trip through New York that helped Vegas climb back up to first place in the Pacific Division back in the wintertime, uh, and he was a huge part of that. He was scoring or at least getting points in almost every game during that trip. So, you know, I definitely think that uh, spoiled is not a bad thing, though. I want to I want to preface it by saying that there's nothing wrong with being spoiled. There's nothing wrong with having those high expectations. I know I've said to Ryan a few times that the quote that stood out to me from Jack Eichel leading up to his uh, Golden Knights debut, as he said multiple times, that pressure is a privilege. And I think that the team knows that, too. I mean, I think they're happy that they have the expectations that they have. They want to be cup contenders. They, you know, they want to be respected. They want other teams to be afraid to play them, which, by the way, I think they still are. I don't think there's teams that would want Vegas in the first round. It's kind of a scary thing, especially if you have a team that has to scratch and claw to get in. That's kind of a, a scary team to face, and that, that's the kind of team that Vegas would be. So, I definitely think that uh, it is fair to temper expectations. Having said that, that doesn't mean that I don't think that this was a group that was capable of getting into the playoffs again. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the, the idea or the thought about health and, you know, you look at the lineup and you bring up some great points in, in terms of players that are still out of the lineup for the Vegas Golden Knights that would undoubtedly be able to help this team and, and maybe – not so much just in in goals and points and in production, but in identity, in in big pieces of what this team has done throughout their entire uh, history. So I I also look at it from you know Mark Stone's back in the lineup, Max Pacioretty's back in the lineup. Neither player, maybe Pacioretty yesterday, like I, I, he was very active, had some shot, had a lot of shots on goal, like probably the best game Max Pacioretty has played complete since coming back into the lineup, but it has taken him four or five games to get to that point. And when you get those two players back this late in the season and you're trying to get you know, them back up to speed and your runway is so incredibly small, I think a lot of fans and, and really a lot of people start talking themselves into well, when, when Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty get back in the lineup, they're going to be putting up a point per game because that's what they've been throughout their career, right. and that's what they are supposed to be here. And that's just not really the case when you've missed 25, 30 games in the middle of a, of a season. You're just not up to that speed yet. Yeah, Mark Stone admitted yesterday that he underestimated how difficult it would be, and that kind of surprised mm -hmm. me a little bit only because he has come back from injury a few times. But I think just 
the pressure they put on themselves to right to take it all into their own hands. I know when Pete made the comment yesterday about drying up at the wrong times, I know that the, the thing that popped into everyone's mind was, you know, the playoffs last year, right toward the mm-hmm. end of that run. Yeah. So to hear, you know, to hear him say that he underestimated it and to hear Pete DeBoer say things like, you know, on paper, a lot of things look good. That's just not necessarily the way it's playing out. Uh, all of those things are true, and you, you, you do have the key pieces missing, like you said. You do have a short runway to get up to speed. But having said that, you can't underestimate just the voice those guys bring as well. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate that they've lost the last two games. I know that doesn't necessarily reflect that, but I do think just having those two voices, especially the voice of Mark Stone in the room, makes a huge difference. Um, and, you know, you heard after Alec Martinez told everyone about his intermission speech that he gave in the Chicago game um, about how, oh, this is coming from a guy that hasn't played in four months or whatever it is he said, Mark Stone kind of said a similar thing, that when you're out, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to tell guys to do things the right way if you don't feel like you're doing things the right way. So, you know, I think that probably plays into it as well. I think they have a hard time. You know, how do you pull everyone into the fight until you feel like you're in the fight, right? But it kind of goes back to the thing we talked about when I first hopped on here. Now there's no choice. And I think that once you really see what a team is made of, once there's literally no choice, right? So um, I agree that there's not a choice right now. Now, I also have to point out, we don't know what L.A. is going to do tonight. We don't know what Vancouver is going to do tonight. Uh, You know, we could have a game in hand or Vegas could have a game in hand um, again, on L.A., heading into tomorrow's game and be three points back with five games to play. And that's, you know, not as big of a hole as some people might think as well. So uh, I get what you're saying. For sure, it is a short runway. Um, it's a big challenge. The guys are admitting that it's a challenge to jump back in the lineup with so few games to play. But I guess this is the time that you really see what they're made of. You know, I, something that, that I think is interesting, and you said it, incredibly well you look at the injuries that the Golden Knights have dealt with throughout this season and you know it sounds like an excuse but it's more of a reason like I'm right there with you now given the context of what the Golden Knights have been through this season with everything outside of just the ability to go out and play hockey like how do you evaluate this team based on this season when so much of it feels like you didn't get a, 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 a enough games or at least a large enough sample size to truly understand what you have with this with this club right now? That's a good question. It's hard to do, right? And there there's part of it, too, that feels like part of the reason the frustration is so bad at this part of the season is because they overcame that adversity so well in the first half of the season. Um, and I think yeah. some people think what changed. Well, I think part of it is what changed is it's tiring to overcome that kind of adversity. It's tiring to, you know, have to work that hard. And, you know, Pete DeBoer would say at best, he would say we basically have to play a perfect game. Well, it's an 82-game season. So when you're put in those positions from, what, game 15 on, uh, that's, yeah. you know, that, that's really tiring. So, you know, it is hard to evaluate. Um, I will say what I find encouraging, I know the Edmonton game was what it was, and that opened up in the third period, but you still don't get a sense of this team gets behind and then another team opens the floodgates and they're out of the fight, right? I mean, they pull within one, you know, in the final minute and a half last night. It wasn't enough, obviously. Close only counts in horseshoes, especially this part of the season. I can tell you for a fact that uh, the team isn't finding solace in the fact that they – you know, 
claw back, but don't get points. But when you're evaluating the team from the outside, I do think that's something that you should look at. I think it tells you that the coaching staff still has the room. I think it tells you that the leadership in the room is still there. And it tells you that the heart is still there. And it tells you that they want to make the playoffs. I mean, you see teams crumble at this time of year and, you know, wouldn't be trying the way they were still trying there at the end. So it's definitely hard to evaluate the group that you had. But regardless of what happens, I think we've seen that it is a very deep, not just team, but organization going all the way down to some of the guys who aren't currently up with Vegas right now that are playing with the Henderson Silver Knights. Um, All of that, I think, gives a lot of promise for the future. I think that Jack Eichel has uh, met or exceeded expectations without a doubt. Um, I think what Mark Stone has done is great, but he's been open about the fact that he's battled injuries all year long. And, you know, we said that a 50% Mark Stone is better than no Mark Stone at all, and I think that's absolutely true. Uh, But you make a good point. It's hard to evaluate it, but the way I see it is it's a team that has proved that they don't have – quit in them they've grinded they've battled uh and it's a deep organization and that's something that i think that the fans should be proud of and kind of goes back to chapman's questions or question earlier about you know the fan base and tempering expectations i don't think even if worst case scenario happens this season and you know the other teams run the table and vegas can't quite get in i do not think it's over for this organization i think that we've seen this year there's still a lot to look forward to you know, maybe maybe Max is a bit right in that it is kind of unfair to cherry pick specific games, but I'm I'm going to do that and I'm going to cherry pick a specific stretch of games. And I think when when I look back and I think when when maybe the team and the fans look back, they may look at the same stretch and that's the one where they lost to Philadelphia, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Absolutely. Columbus and Winnipeg. Yeah. Just how much do you think that took out of this team? Not so, not 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 only from a, a physical standpoint, but from a mental standpoint, because then they followed it up by going back on the road and losing two more in a row to Winnipeg and Minnesota. I think I got those back, 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 or mixed up in terms of the order. But, you know, the, the, those seven road games in a row that they lost, and more specifically the five, I really kind of feel like that was the turning point as far as this team not being a, in the playoffs today. I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, a lot can still happen, but... Just how much do you think that that took out of this team and, and, and really made the challenge a lot more difficult? I think without a doubt that is a road trip that's going to be circled. I want to say that was a five-game road trip. I want to say that's the longest of the season or tied for the longest of the season, and I could be wrong on that. Um, but when you're looking at, if not the one of the longest road trips of the season, you drop all of them, especially as a team that was so good on the road leading up to that point. Um, and that not only that, but at that time they had all the teams around them. That's when, that's when it seems like everyone around them started to surge, right? Teams that they didn't even think, you know, were no, I, I shouldn't say this teams that we didn't think were in the hunt. I think Pete DeBoer has been clear, even when they were first in the Pacific, he's been, you know, talking about the, the games in hand that all these other teams have had on them and all of that. So, um, I think that that road trip definitely not only did they were they losing games, but other teams were winning games. I do think it took a toll on them mentally. Having said that, I feel like that turns into kind of like a doomsday conversation, like, oh, where did this season go wrong? And like you said, we're not there yet. So I do not in any way want to make it sound like I think we're there yet and that's where it all went wrong. But, I mean, that's a 10 point. Th- those are 10 points dropped. And maybe it's not realistic mm-hmm. to say, oh, what if they won all of those? But you can say, what if they won three? 
and wanting, winning three out of five on the road is definitely not unrealistic with this team, especially given that they did play Philadelphia on that trip. They did play Columbus on that trip, which Columbus, you know, is a, is a good team, but not, you know, not a playoff contender. So definitely think that road trip is one that you circle when you go back. And like you said, it's, uh, it's that mental toll just as much as it is the physical toll. And I think between the injuries, and between that, yeah, that's definitely one that uh, they would want back. But also, we hate when they say every point matters, game two or three of the season. But, you know, this is where we start talking about this and we start looking back at where points might have been lost. And, you know, they're right when they say that right from the first game of the season. Yeah, it's almost like that that series or that stretch of games was like the, the, the dam breaking where, where finally everything just kind of hit. But again, they, they started to come back from that, right? And that's why I say there's not quit in the team because after that point they were still teeter-tottering with Dallas for quite a while. They went on a five-game win streak uh, that ended with that loss uh, in Vegas to Vancouver just a couple of weeks ago. Um, but that's why I say there's no quit in them. It definitely is one that you circle, but on the same token, they never let themselves get out of it. They never let themselves get too high when they were on top. Like I said, Pete DeBoer was very realistic the entire time, saying teams have games in hand on us. We're only halfway through the season. We're not, you know, they don't get too high, but they never got too low at that point either. So now you just have to hope that that even keel, calm nature pays off for him here. So for me, it's not so much a, a specific stretch of games, but it has been for the Golden Knights an inability in the third period in a close game to get to overtime or get points out of a game. And, and in that specific road trip that Chris Chapman's talking about, there was a, an opportunity for the Golden Knights in that Buffalo game where they were tied in the third period and they just weren't able to manage the, the ending of that game. You, you look at the Columbus game, you have a lead in that game, again, unable to, to kind of get a point, ring a point out of it. Uh, and you saw it again last night for the Golden Knights. You're in a 1-1 mm-hmm. game going into the third period. It's kind of the same situation as the Edmonton game. Even though you were down by just a goal, Edmonton kind of takes that momentum in the third period. For a team that has historically been very good in the third period, and I think it kind of leads into um, maybe a bigger issue, when you are injured and you are leaning heavily on a lot of players to log a lot of really difficult minutes, and then in the third period, games start to get away, is that a sign of fatigue from having to kind of shoulder a lot of the load earlier on in the year when a lot of guys were injured? Yeah, that's interesting because I'm sure Chapman remembers Alec Martinez was asked about fatigue last night and he was not having any of that. He was like, nope, it's not fatigue. No one should use fatigue as an excuse this time of year. Everyone's tired. Everyone's injured, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, maybe a different kind of fatigue. Um you know, like you were saying, the, the mental toll it takes on you. But on the same token, uh, that's, I think that's why you don't see them using it as an excuse, though, because they know that that's what it takes to win. You have to be a good third-period team. I mean, we talk about wanting to get on, like get off to a fast start, but if you were to ask anyone if they would rather be a good first-period or a good third-period team, everyone mm-hmm. would rather be a good third-period team, right? So yeah. it comes down to that. It comes down to Pete DeBoer saying that they need to be comfortable in the uncomfortable, comfortable in the tight games. I mean, we since since the beginning of the season when the injuries began and it was a bunch of top goal scorers out, Pete DeBoer has said we need to win more one nothing two one games. I didn't do my research enough before this conversation to go back and look, but there have not been very many two nothing or two one one nothing games this season at all. In fact, it seems like it's been pretty high scoring on both ends of the ice. Vegas has scored a lot. 
they've also allowed a lot. So um, I definitely think, you know, like, like you said, it, at times it's like if you could have just gotten a point here and a point there, what difference, you know, would that have made? And that road trip is definitely an example where it's like if you could have at least left that road trip with one point, would things be different? Um, I don't think they're going back and circling that just yet because there's nothing they can do about it and they're still trying to make it and they're definitely not they're not uh, looking at this as doomsday it's all over so it's a good point for sure Alec Martinez says that fatigue isn't an excuse I say that mentally it's probably been a pretty draining season so I would think that does probably play mm-hmm. into it I feel like we, we've been very doom and gloom and, and kind of <laughs> yeah. sky is falling so I want to finish on something positive and yes, please. that's that's the emergence of not only Logan Thompson, who I think is really kind of proven that he's an NHL goalie, and I love his backstory, and, and to me that's phenomenal. The fact that he's worked his way from, I mean, just two years ago he was in the ECHL for the South Carolina Stingrays, and now he's an NHL goalie, and I think he's proven that he belongs in the NHL. But Zach Whitecloud ha- has had a career year, despite the fact that he missed a bunch of games as well. Ben Hutton yep. is, has kind of emerged as maybe a guy who, who's going to be part of the future uh, of this blue line. And then Chandler Stevenson has had a career season. I mean, he adds another goal last night. And and I know it's it's probably, you know, a small consolation if they don't make the playoffs. But I think a lot of guys have, have kind of proven that they, that they can play at this level. And, I mean, in the case of Stevenson, I think he's proven that he's a really, really good NHL player. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think that's why I say regardless of what happens here, the future is bright. And, again, I want to clarify, I know I'm not as good as Darren Millard here at keeping everyone in check, but there's still reasons to be positive, especially before these games happen tonight. Um, You know, it's a lot lot does happen in five games. Just like it seems like, oh, Vegas was running and they were still going to be in it, and now they've lost two in a row. That was only two games. Like, a lot can happen in five games, right? But – Regardless, uh, the, I definitely think that the, the future is bright for sure. The growth that Zach Whitecloud has made is incredible. I think it's a testament uh, not only to him on the ice, but to his attitude. It's, his attitude is clear as day. It's the best mindset you can have night in and night out. All he wants to do is get better. He loves to play the game. He wants to learn from people. And you're really seeing that. He's a, I, I haven't looked since last night, but going into last night's game, he was a plus 24, and the closest to him was Braden McNabb at a plus 11. Like, that's a big difference. And people debate how much, you know, weight to put behind uh, plus minus. So I asked Pete DeBoer about it recently, and he said it's not a metric that he usually pays a lot of attention to, but when someone separates themselves by that much in that department, then that's really saying something. So that's one. You know, Logan Thompson, regardless of what happens, regardless of how many more games he does or doesn't start, uh, the experience and the confidence he's going to gain from just the games this season is massive. The confidence that the organization is going to have uh, in him is huge. Uh, you mentioned Chandler like I think what Chandler Stevenson did was just solidify that he's good on his own. Not It doesn't have to be with Mark Stone or Max Pacioretty, and I think that's going to set his career you know, on a, on a path that I think his teammates knew, uh, but, you know, maybe other teams, maybe um, the coaching staff, maybe him personally, you know, just is a level that maybe others didn't know that he had. So I think that's going to be huge. Um, you, you talk about Brett Howden, like I know I mentioned him out, like what a bright spot that was. Uh, he was, you know, expected to be a good NHL player, 
to start out his career, started out a lot slower than anticipated, uh, but now he comes here and he finally, you know, finds his groove. And I think it says a lot about this group that so many people still, it's no longer just that expansion franchise, original misfit mentality. Still, five years later, there's players who are coming here and have the ability to find their game with this group. You look at Michael Matteo. You look at Ben Hutton, like you said. You, like, I think it says a lot about what the culture is in the room. And it's easy to look at the fact that, you know, the, they, that they could potentially miss the playoffs and think that it's a culture problem or think that it's this or that it's that. But I think that the fact that so many guys are able to come in and steps up, step up, I think that tells you more about the room than anything else. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that that's spot on, Ashley. When you look at just the number of players that have had career years within this organization and the number of players that have been picked up in different situations and have been put into a position to succeed, and then when everything is succeeding, when, when the players around them are able to kind of hit those heights, it, it speaks volumes not just to the room but also the coaching staff. And, you know, I, I sit back and I think about this season and, and having – been around hockey essentially my entire life like it's a tough game it's it, at, at times it always get what you deserve inside of a hockey game inside of a 60 minute effort and for the golden knights i, I think with five games left they still have a chance and you give them a they chance do. i'll take this team i'll take this team any day if they've still got a chance right and that's that's kind of the big thing to come out of the last night's game and and down the stretch here with five games but um we appreciate you jumping on here, um, obviously filling in, uh, in the shoes of Darren Millard for this first segment. Um, appreciate you jumping on. appreciate you doing this. Um, and uh, hopefully we can get you back on the program. Maybe once Darren's back in the saddle and ready to go here, we can get you back on as, uh, as the Golden Knights are hopefully heading toward a playoff spot. Sounds good, Ryan. I like the spirit. I am no Darren Millard, but I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to hop on and talk <laughs> with you guys. And, Guess I'm going to go get ready to watch uh, the L.A. game now. All right, fantastic stuff. That's Ashley Vice. Fantastic work all season long for the Vegas Golden Knights. And also Ashley jumps on one of the most regular guests that I have on the pregame show, and she's always on point with her Knights to shine. Uh, maybe, just maybe, we will get Ashley on the pregame show tomorrow and we can get her night to shine for a massive game for the Vegas Golden Knights. We're back with the play of the day next on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. No chance to shoot for Stevenson centered. Eichel scores! It's time for the play of the day on the VGK Insider Show. VGK Insider Show play of the day comes courtesy of the Calgary Flames and Johnny Gaudreau going for a skate around the zone untouched, unimpeded, and then picking up his 600th career point with a wrist shot against the Blackhawks. Kachuk drops it off for Gaudreau, cuts him behind the net. Top line goes to work in the offensive zone. Johnny Gaudreau all the way around. Gaudreau shoots, scores! A beauty by Johnny Gaudreau makes it 2-0 Calgary. Was that something? That certainly was. You could see that something was close to happening, and they had a number of really good chances on this puck possession. Matthew Kachuk gives it to Johnny. Watch him go all the way around the house. And makes it look way too easy, and he fooled us, Rick. He went high blocker, right? Normally, in fact, two goals on Saturday, high glove side, and there's all kinds of room. 
It's the funniest thing in the world to me when a player can pick up the puck in the zone and, and in this instance kind of in and around the net, skate all the way up to the blue line, come around, gain some speed and some space. Everyone backs off of them and then just kind of picks the spot. Like Johnny Gaudreau was untouched. It was like he was the only guy on the ice, Chapman. Yeah, he picked it up in the trapezoid, and and I I I what what was it goes goes around the house or or whatever the yeah. Uh, yeah. so I, I mean it, it's ridiculous there you know that there's five Blackhawk players on the ice and it was almost like there were none I mean he the way he picks it up behind the net and just skates all the way around to the other circle yep and and wrist shots it in I mean it's it was a great play by him but at some point if you're Chicago you're gonna say where's the defense. Like he didn't do anything well, spect- to, spectacular. It's not like he he. he... I'll, I'll push back there for just a minute. Now it was terrible defending. I'm, I'm going to give them that. But the fact of the matter is, Johnny Gaudreau with the puck on his stick, he's a magician, and, and you have to respect his ability to find his teammates. So I think that what you saw was Chicago kind of backing off, taking away all those other options. So Johnny Gaudreau just decided to do it himself. I, I mean, yeah, and and he certainly did. I mean, it, it's. It, it was it was when I saw it I was like well first of all it's 600 career points so I think that's kind of mm-hmm. you know a milestone there but mm-hmm. it it was just a like when you watch him when he comes to T-Mobile and and I implore fans to watch him when he's on the ice watch number thirteen when the Calgary Flames come to this building because he 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 really is a magician and he's he's diminutive because he's he's not very big and he's quick. And he always seems to be able to find open spots on the ice, but that's taken it to a whole other level because he basically had the entire ice to himself. Yeah, sure did. Johnny Gaudreau with the play of the day, and I'm telling you in one-timers, we're going to get to uh, an idea or a thought of just how good of a season Johnny Gaudreau is having. So I'll leave that for you to ponder over the next 45 minutes or so. Chris Chapman, we are back next with... The Legal Minute with Sam and Ash Injury Law on the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. It's time for the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash on the VGK Insider Show. Legal Minute with SamandAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. We have Ashley Watkins joining us. Ashley, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? Uh, you know, I'm I'm doing well. Obviously, last night's result for the Golden Knights was not what we were all hoping for uh, on this program, or if you're a fan. But you know, let's let's start real quick with a little bit of optimism. Ashley, there are five games remaining for the Vegas Golden Knights down the stretch. What's your feeling on tomorrow's game against the Washington Capitals, and whether or not the Golden Knights can run the table? Oh, we're running the table. I, look, yeah, it's yeah. behind us. What happened the other night? I'm victories here on out. I'm being optimistic. I love it. That's fantastic stuff. So, let's get into our our topic of conversation for this week, and it's not terribly something we've addressed in the past. It's it's hockey. It's the state of Florida. It's a lawsuit. It's false advertising. Uh, yesterday, Rick Westhead broke a, a bit of a story that uh, there's been a a a case filed against Adidas. The claim alleges that Adidas authentic, quote, authentic jersey categorization misleads and deceives customers into purchasing jerseys that could be more accurately described as replicas. In in essence, uh, the jerseys are not 
the same worn by the players on the ice in an NHL game. Therefore, authentic is misleading. What's your sense of, of this case as it stands right now? Look, it's going to get really technical, and that's the first thing. Because uh, based on every sport, the terms authentic, replica, some sports use on-field, it's very different what a consumer's expectations are. And so, look, I, I've read the complaint. I see what's going on here. They're arguing that the stitching's not as high of quality, the neck holes are smaller, and there are these minor differences based on manufacturing. And one thing I learned is, the authentic jerseys we're all buying as consumers, I guess, are manufactured in Indonesia, where the NHL players are getting jerseys manufactured in Canada. And so it's obviously a different manufacturer. It's going to come down to whether the two products are genuine and substantially similar or identical and what the actual advertising Adidas put out there. I think we spoke about this before with, you know, the the Subway sandwich, whether or not it was in fact a foot long. We recently talked about it with Darren and his uh, plea for uh, Burger King Whoppers to be accurately sized compared to advertising. And so it really is going to be a technical question of how misled was the public. Now, how, how if, if I'm Adidas, I, I think I, my pushback would be, well, we're not telling you it's the specific um, um, jersey worn by the player, right? Like each jersey is customized to fit each individual player. I kind of think maybe Adidas, it, it would be a little impossible for them to do that for every single consumer who's buying this jersey. Am I completely off yeah. base there? No, no. I think if I, if I was Adidas's lawyer, I'm going to go, look, we promised you the same features and technical aspects as a on-ice jersey. We never said it was going to be 100% identical. We said it would have the same fabric. It would have the same, uh, like, the, what is it? I just learned about a fight strap that, that keeps the jersey on the player during fights. Yeah. There's going to yeah. be certain dimpling embroidery that you'd find on an NHL player's jersey but not identical. So if if Adidas has an advertisement out there saying identical 100% like what Mark Stone wears on the ice, that's a problem. Now, I, the the part that I'm a little bit confused on is we're talking about uh, Adidas authentic jerseys, but uh, Rick Westhead in his tweet talked about jerseys being sold via fanatics.com. Like, and I know that there are different tiers of jerseys, right? Like there's the authentic jersey and then there's the fanatic replica. Like at, at what point are, are, are we maybe looking at this and saying, are we, are we certain that we're talking about the Adidas authentic or are, are we maybe getting confused on which jerseys are the ones that are actually part of this, this lawsuit? Yeah, we could be. I mean, look, I read the complaint and the complaint is actually pulling images that someone else wrote in a journal, in a article online about this whole debate. Uh, so we could be very well con confused on what is what. I don't see this as a Fanatics issue. Look, Fanatics, they are producing yeah. their replicas, their breakaways. They're at a cheaper price point. The, the claim of what Fanatics is doing is forcing Adidas to compete on price. And the only way Adidas can compete on price is if they cut these corners and make their authentic not really authentic. That's how I was reading Fanatics. Role was just kind of passive. Are we getting to a Are we getting to a point in our society where 
people are just kind of looking for any reason to sue over false advertising, whether, as you mentioned, the Whopper, the the, the Subway, and now and now this yeah. because it, it seems almost like, and and look, I I'm I'm all for people getting money, but like it just seems like nobody's been wronged here, at least from my perspective. So are we just as a society turning into just a group of people who are like, you know what? I just don't like the way that looks. I'm going to sue. A little bit. Yeah. But I mean, look, as from a, being a consumer lawyer, we do expect people to advertise accurately. And I know it sounds silly, but if Pop-Tarts out, Kellogg's advertising a strawberry Pop-Tart, it better well be strawberry, whatever that is, you know? So it is Damn a fine line of whether or not we're getting what we bargained for and whether we're being deceived when we make various purchases in our life. But I agree. I think this is one of those situations where I don't know. It sounds authentic. So whether it's substantially similar or not, I don't know. I mean, this guy, how many jerseys did it take until he realized his was a little different? <laughs> and did he get like a player-worn jersey to kind of see the difference? Yeah, I, I don't know. And so, I mean, I'm now bummed. I'm looking at my jersey and I'm like, shoot. And I'm looking at this guy. I'm like, hey, you know, you just kind of rained on my parade. I used to love my jersey. You, you should still love your jersey because it's really nice. I do. I do. No, I so really I, do. I love my jersey. I love my Silver Knights jerseys, Golden Knights, all of them. I, I just have so much fun at the games, and that's really what it's about. So I, I guess kind of the, the main kind of question that I have is, like, the, the idea that it's deceiving customers into purchasing jerseys that could be more accurately considered replicas um, – I mean, there's there's certainly a, a price point different between authentic and replica, and and I guess my question is like, if it if it isn't exactly the same as a jersey on the ice, and and you may never know that because you may never come that close to a jersey that was worn in an NHL game. How how much can you reasonably say that that if if not for the word authentic, I would have never bought the jersey. Yeah, I, you know, that's a great question. It's a very factual inquiry, and it'll be interesting to see how the class of consumers is um, established in this case, because that's what this guy has to prove, is that he's one of many customers that, had it not been for that authentic label, I would have gone with a significantly cheaper one. Yeah. So then, as far as this case goes, what do you see happening with, with the case and, and the lawsuit and everything uh, moving forward? Well, I see Adidas probably scrounging the internet and rewording all of its advertising. And then also, there's probably going to be a settlement and some resolution. And we will all get an email in our inbox asking us if we want to join a class and want 72 cents sent to us at some point. (laughs) I just got one of those yesterday for something called Plaid. I don't even know what Plaid is, and I got one. Yep, there you go. Well, Ash, as always, great stuff here on the Legal Minute with uh, with uh, myself, Ryan Wallace, and Chris Chapman. Um, you know, if if anyone is is in the market for a lawyer or needs a lawyer or something has happened to you and you just want to get great advice, give Sam and Ash Law dot com a chance because you deserve what's right. Seven zero two eight two zero one two three four is their number. They're available all the time, and there are lawyers we trust them with every inquiry that we have. Ash, thanks for taking the time. Uh, Really appreciate you jumping on here. Hey, of course, guys. And just so you know, if your fans and your listeners want VGK tickets, we're doing a giveaway on Twitter, at Sam and Ash Law. There's a giveaway for Golden Knights tickets. Fantastic stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's great stuff. It's retweeted uh, through my handle. We'll get it retweeted through the Fox Sports handle as well if you want to get to the game tomorrow, courtesy of Sam and Ash Law. We're back with hour number two of the VGK Insider Show right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This has been the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash on the VGK Insider Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash. Visit them at SamandAsh.com because you deserve what's right.